We are, uh, we're in a series called Authentic Community. You heard Shane allude to it a little bit there. And authentic community. Not just community, like gathering some people together, but authentic community. What does it look like to biblically go after one another's while God still gets the glory? See, that's the catch. We can do one another's, right? That part we can get pretty easy. The problem is eh, we kind of forget about God in there. And so all of a sudden it just becomes a club and so we're going after authentic community. Just a quick reminder. Here's the uh, sections we've been through already. First week. Let's have true fellowship. True fellowship. Remember it says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Well that's when we have fellowship one with another. Run with your God. Vertical relationship first. That's where true fellowship comes from. Then it spills over to the one another's around you. Let's have true fellowship. Then was, let's love God. Let's reflect on him as our advocate, our king, the one who is amazing. And then let's love others. Let's make sure we're reaching out to those around us and truly caring for them. What needs do they have? And Lord, what would you have me to do? Let's not love the world, right? Right in the middle of 1 John 2 there. And it's, let's make sure that the stuff of the world, the things that feel good, the things that look good, the things that show me off, Lord, may I not be about those. May I set those down and run hard with you. And then let's be holy. It was two weeks ago. Let's make sure we're practicing righteousness in a way that truly is an inside out thing. Like, Lord, I want to be transformed on the inside. May my heart be in the right spot. May I be so about going after you that righteousness is just what spills out of my hands and my feet and my lips. It's not go look righteous. It's let's be righteous. Whoa, that's a tough call. Let's make sure God is changing us from the inside. And what comes out is nothing but his honor and his glory as we work for him. Let's be holy. And then last week was let's care for others. Let's make sure we're practical in reaching out and caring for each other. Today is... Well, let's review was the title I put over it. Do me a favor. Just take your pen, scratch out the word review because I changed my mind yesterday. (laughs) Just put the word let's protect in there. It is a review. You're going to see it as we go through this. It's a strong, passionate review of what we've already covered. But so much more than that, it's how do we make sure we protect this body? And God somehow gave that to me yesterday. So let's make sure we keep that in mind as we go through. Let's protect. How do we protect authentic community? That's the question we're answering today. How do we protect authentic community? We're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 4, and we've got the ushers coming forward. Uh, We're just going to be walking through this verse by verse. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and the ushers will get one to you, okay? If you need a Bible, just catch their attention, and they'll get one for you. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to walk the whole chapter today. All right, so how do we protect authentic community? First step, test the spirits and follow the truth. Test the spirits and follow the truth. Where do you get that from, Tim? First John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Oftentimes you'll notice that our words that we put here are pretty much just a copy-paste coming right out of the scripture, right? We're not trying to be all crafty, creative. We're not trying to be all unique. We're trying to be very attentive to God's word. 
And what's he calling us to do? Well, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits and follow after the truth, okay? So let's break it down. Beloved, we've heard this word a number of times. Dear ones, ones who I care deeply for, ones who I have a passion for, do not believe every spirit. Notice that means you do believe some. So there's some you're going to follow. There's some you're not going to follow. There's some truth you're going to listen to. And there's some you're going to call not truth. And, and you're going to have to know when and how to do that. And So don't believe every spirit. But test them. Make sure that they have passed the grueling, grueling test that you have for them. To see whether they are from God. How do I know they're from God? What test would I run? Glad you asked. Verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, from God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now we have to note that what's going on context-wise is John is writing to a group of people who were wrestling with another group of people. This group they were wrestling with were called the Gnostics. Gnosticism was a truth that was being taught, what they tried to claim as a truth to be taught. And what they were saying was, spiritual good physical bad. It sounds kind of harmless, you know, really. I mean, if you say spiritual good, physical bad, and you see all this sin going on and the mistakes human beings are making and the brokenness of physical, and it just seems to fall apart. And they sort of had a capture of truth in there. It's not totally untrue that the physical sort of unwinding right before our eyes. So they'd say spiritual good and physical bad. Here's the problem. Jesus Christ, God Almighty, He became man and clothed himself with physical. So all of a sudden, if physical is sin, if it's evil, we have God clothing himself with evil. And now they have a problem, right? So they've gone a little too far. And in going too far, they've now begun to create a heresy. God clothed himself with evil. We can't do that. So then they change it. Well, he must not have come in the flesh. He just looked like it. That's what was being taught. So God Almighty sort of showed himself to us. That's kind of what, but not in the flesh. That's what they were battling, okay? So how do you know that someone is from God? This is John talking now, right? How do you know? Because he understands that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. That literally, God Almighty has clothed himself for you and for me. May we never reject that truth. Jesus Christ did put on flesh and yet remained sinless. Perfect. Wow. Like that's a big deal for you and for me. And that's the first thing that we have to put as a test up before. And it says, and, verse 3 there, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Like I'm telling you, if they try to walk away from Jesus Christ and who he is, that's a problem. God Almighty has a plan. And it's Jesus Christ. Come in the flesh for you and for me. May we never reject Jesus Christ. May we never walk away from it. And by all means, if you're trying to figure out who's from God and you're hearing him say, I don't know so much about that Jesus thing. We're done. Right? Does everybody understand that? Does everybody understand that? All right. So when we hear him say like, Jesus, yeah, that's not really, I am with God. I'm just not with Jesus. We say, Yeah, good. So you get me. You understand my personality a little bit. All right. So just say it and say it out loud and it's okay to be vocal about it. Like that doesn't pass the test. Sorry. 
That's all John's asking them to do, okay? Let's get some calmness and some clarity within the body as we grasp the top two. Jesus did come in the flesh and it will be all about him, period. We're done talking. This is the spirit of the Antichrist that rejects Jesus, which you heard from was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, here's that beloved thing again, right? Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You've overcome them already. You've already experienced the victory. You've already conquered those spirits and the wrong teaching, the people that are following and the Antichrist. You've already got victory over that. You know Jesus Christ and him crucified. You're experiencing a walk with him. Know this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Fear nothing. Your almighty God is in charge. That's our king. That's our God. We have hope because of him. We have truth because of him. We have life because of him. He is greater. Amen? Amen. Just say the word greater as loud as you can. He is what? Like that's what we're talking about. He is what? Man, if we land that, we get what John's talking about. He's greater. And there is nobody and there is nothing that takes away from him. Praise be to God and Jesus Christ who's come in the flesh. He says that we have overcome because of him and because he's greater. Then he says, they are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. Have you ever noticed that? They seem to really get along well. All these guys not telling the truth seem to really hang out well together and, and this relativism thing and that, that seems to be going well for everybody and we're not a part of that and what's that all about and hang on. He explains that. He says we're from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. I'm telling you, we have a truth to share and it is absolute. Jesus Christ did come in the flesh and he is God Almighty. And we will confess him as Lord and King. Absolutely. 100%. Period. It's where we stand. It's kind of an easy filter for the church. You know? Like how do you make sure that your church doesn't just kind of collectively grow with a bunch of lies and untruth? Man, this is a pretty easy filter. You keep preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. You keep preaching come back to God Almighty. Listen to his word. You absolutely go there. Absolutely go there. Right? That's quite the filter. You'd be amazed how many people are like, yeah, I'm not so much into that. And they step away. And our prayer for them is, may you find the truth in God Almighty. May you find who he is because we found him stunning and amazing. And we'd love to have you meet him. Absolutely God. Absolutely for you. That's where we're at. And the beauty of it is as the church grows with that message, it grows with fire grows with passion, grows with hope because he's placed center stage. That's where we're headed, okay? That's where we're headed. It says, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Have you ever noticed that truth doesn't seem so much like truth when you have the wrong perspective? Have you ever noticed that? It it takes a perspective change to start to grasp truth. There was a woman who, uh, 
She had a car, red car. She took it to the circus. She wanted to go see what was going on at the circus that night. And she parked her car somewhat near the tent. And as she was watching what was going on in the circus, it actually turns out the elephant that did some of the tricks escaped from the tent and got out. Now, here's the thing that she didn't know is they had taught this elephant to do a trick. And the trick was they would put a bunch of cars in the middle of the ring and he would always seem to sit on the red car. And so this elephant gets out of the tent and comes around the corner and sees the red car and sits on it. So when she comes out, there's somebody from the circus who's standing there with the car to explain to her how sorry they are and how much they'll work with her. And as she comes out and sees it, she's horrified. And they're like, just so you know, he's taught to sit on red cars. And yours is very red. And so he sat on it. And we'll work with you to get this thing cleaned up. And she's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. The roof is collapsed, but not totally. I can drive it over to the body shop. I'll save the towing. Let's at least do that. So she's on her way to drive it over to the towing or to the body shop. And on her way over there, there's actually kind of a bad accident on the highway in front of her, a multi-car accident. She pulls up to stop behind it. She gets out and she can't believe what's going on. She's sitting there waiting. And as the ambulance pulls up and they see her car crushed and her with her hand on her head, they rush up to her and they don't even go up to the other cars and they're like, just stay where you are. You're covered. And they begin, come over here, Bill. And then, are you all right? Tell us what happened. How did he get crushed? An elephant sat on it. (laughs) Bill, get over here. Right? They end up taking her to the hospital, against her will, really, taking her to the hospital. They actually ended up doing a psyche eval. At one point, she finally said, call the circus. They're like, fine, we'll call the circus. And then after that, you know, can you just imagine the phone call? All right, we have a lady here who said that an elephant sat on her car. You're kidding me. Tonight? Okay, thank you. Right? As they go back in with a whole new perspective on truth. So how are you doing? Good. So an elephant sat on your car. Yeah. Yeah, we believe you now. We get it. And she was released to be able to get her car over to the body shop. How often does the simple truth not even seem like the simple truth because we have a different perspective? And see, that's what's going on. We have to be careful to stick to the to our guns on the truth. It's simple and it's true. And we're not moving. It's absolutely right. To God be the glory. Amen? Test the spirits, know they're true, and follow that, nothing else. Jesus Christ, him crucified, in the flesh for us, raised and in heaven now. Amen? Amen. We have a mighty king. Test the truth and stand by it. That's the first thing to protect this body. Number two, love one another. It's who God is. Love one another. It's who God is. Verse 7, beloved, let us love one another. Wow, Tim, you are really not creative. Right? I mean, it's just right there. We're just going to do what it says. It's in command form, so we're writing it down. Beloved, let us love one another. Okay, so beloved, again, here we go. This dear ones, this one's close to my heart. Let us love one another. Let's care for them. Let's put their good before ours. Let's make sure they have priority in our lives. Let's make sure we're reaching out as God would reach out to them. Why? For love is from God and whatever or whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. When you truly love, I'm not talking about when you look loving, but when you truly love, when your heart is just 
pouring out for this person and you're letting it affect your hands and your eyes and your mouth. You're letting it affect your time when you are truly love towards another person. I'm telling you, you know God. That's what he's saying. You have met the one who is love and he's beginning to change you. Let him continue to do that forever. That's our call to make sure that we let God be our transformation process. Notice I didn't say that we transform us, but we let him. As we know him, as we know him as love, as we let him move in our lives, as we experience him changing us, that's when it becomes natural to just reach out to the person next to us and care for them, to love them. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. You know, there's a number of things that God is in Scripture. God is. It's an awesome opportunity for us to get to know His character. I just wrote a few things down here just so that we can make sure we understand and grasp. But God is, well, He's eternal. Never changes. From eternity past to eternity future, He exists. And he exists in the same way. That God is all-powerful. Wow. God is all-knowing. Wow. That our almighty God created with the spoken word. He sits over everything. And as James McDonald would say, with his feet up, it's not a sweat to manage what's going on. Our God. An amazing God who is also love. God is love. And as we get to know him who is love, man, our life changes for all eternity. He is passionate about it. Well, how do we know this love? How does God express it? Verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might have, that we might live through him. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. That's how he expressed his love. That we can literally see his love in Jesus Christ. As he came into this world, humbled himself and became a man for you and for me. We see his love made manifest. It says so that we might live through him. We can have a life eternal. A life satisfying. A life joyful. A life that is nothing like anything the world has to offer. And here's the thing. What the world offers is momentary. What the world offers is temporary. What the world offers is you-oriented. Watch out, because in the moment, it's going to look pretty attractive. But over the long haul, God having his right position and us being in the right position, there is no greater love than that. Lord, you've got my attention. What do you want me to do? Notice he says right after it, Not only that we might live, it says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. It's not love like, I'm responding to you, Jesus. What a good guy I am. Boy, there's the love. It's that I'm giving you a little bit of entertainment and position in my life. No, the love isn't us responding to him. The love is what he did for us before we ever loved him. It says that he made a propitiation. Big word. What's it mean? Replacement payment for you and for me. Like we owe something we can't ever pay. 
And he's willing to pay for us, replacing our debt. So that's great. I'm not sure that I really get all excited about that gospel message. Like I've heard it a bunch of times and let's just think of it from maybe a little bit of a fresh angle. Let's think of it this way. What could he have done? And why doesn't that work? I just wrote a few things down. So some compromises. He could have said, you know what? You came up short. You missed the mark. You weren't perfect when I designed you to be. You're done. Get away from me. You're like, you're lost forever. It's over. Goodbye. He could have just said, see ya. But that would have compromised his love. His passion that something better be there for you and for me. He could have said, you know what? Forget about the whole rights and wrongs and all that stuff. Just come close to me. I'm just going to pour it on you anyway. I'm just going to lavish on you regardless. But then he would have compromised his justice. You see, there's a demand that coming up short of his righteousness be paid for. And now he's compromising that. Well, he could have just said, you know what? You just earn it. That's how we'll do this. You just earn it. But the reality is that's a horrible message of the smallness of his righteousness. Like he's just bigger and badder than that. That's where he's at. God is unbelievably righteous and holy. And we can never attain to it of our own works. Compromising the call to works is a compromise to his righteousness. It's we're treating it like it's down here and it's really up here. You see, no matter which way you turn, you have a compromise of his character. But in the end, he says this, I do love you. I want you to be with me. I do love you, but it's going to have a penalty and a cost. I do love you. And I'll pay that cost because you can't. I got it covered. Come run with me. Do you see it? That's the gospel message. The elephant just sat on the car. You see what I'm saying? Like it's so simple and it's so obvious and there's no compromise to his character and it's absolutely clear. And yet we want to resist at some level for some reason. Embrace the gospel message. Jesus Christ came in the flesh for you and for me to make a replacement payment paid for you and for me that he might draw us home and lavish on us and love us and call us his own when we actually had made the mistake. God Almighty offering an amazing forgiveness for you and for me. Amen? Amen. That's our God and his love. He says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Made a replacement payment for us. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. The call to one another is experience God first. Don't ever go after one another before you've met God. That's really what he's saying. Like you better meet the Almighty and let him pour on you. And as he changes you, as he rocks your world, as he shapes your life, as he transforms you from the inside out, then let it start spilling over to the people next to you. That's what he's saying. Let that love touch your life. And then start looking for those around who you can reach out to as well. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. God abides in us 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. And his love is perfected in us. Did you know that? Like you literally can be perfected by God's love. Purified. Moved to another level because of him with you. God abiding with you. It's a perfecting love. That does mean at times he's going to call you to change. That does mean at times he's going to call you to an uncomfortableness. That does mean at times he's going to call you to do things or go through things that may hurt a little bit. But it's so you can grow and be perfected. Amen to that, right? Let me just say this. Well, how do I love someone? Four steps to start loving someone. And we're going basic today. Four steps to start loving someone. Number one, introduce yourself. It's kind of hard to love them when you don't even know them. You know what I'm saying? Introduce yourself. It's like, I don't know your name and I'm not sure who you are. And hi, my name is Tim. Nice to meet you, Jamie, who I did know. But it's important to shake hands, right? And reach out. And, and sometimes they're sitting front row and you know them well. And, and sometimes they're sitting somewhere else or they're moving through the hallways and you don't know them. And it's okay to reach out and get to know them. Introduce yourself. Second, invite them out for dinner. Let me make a suggestion that you don't do that when you've just introduced yourself. We've had that happen. Uh, we were at another harvest and... Uh, we had been going there for one week. We were at Harvest Naperville, going one week. And these people behind us, so dear, so sweet, really passionate. Like they introduced themselves, hi, my name is, and they kind of get their name out. And we'd love to have you over for lunch today. And we're like, we're busy. I have no idea what we're doing, but I'm sure we're busy. Let me check with my wife. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's important that you kind of know each other a little bit, okay? So it's okay to introduce yourself and maybe even a second week and you're getting to know a little bit and you start to see the common threads and you run into each other at a cross-country meet and, right, and, and, and then makes more sense. You're starting to connect, right? And that, it's important to think that through, okay? Don't be a stalker, okay? <laughs> introduce yourself. Do invite out for dinner, though. It's important to quickly get to that ice-breaking, to begin to move through it, all right? Next, third, include them. Widen your circle of friends. I'm telling you, and hear me on this, okay? It's easy to have a sphere of friends that has started since childhood, and it's just big enough. And you need to not be there. Get ready to include more. Lord, who do you want me to know? Who do you want me to meet? Who do you want me to be shaped by as I grow with them? Hear me. This is an important one for those of you who have long-standing family and friends in the area, okay? For those who don't, they're like, yeah, amen, this is easy. But if you've got a ton of family and friends in the area, you're like, man, my books are full. Like, be careful, leave some space for meeting and making new friends and including them into your sphere of friendship. It's a big part of love, is truly having them feel like there's a relationship to be had here. Fourth one is initiate some care. You might see them in need. They might be hurting physically. They might have had some sickness going on. You can drop a meal off. You can help wash something for them. You can do a lawn for them. You can whatever. Just initiate some care for them. It's a great way to say, you matter. Let me help you out. Maybe you're doing it for a neighbor. You know they've had something going on. He hurt himself badly, and so you just end up mowing his lawn. 
for him. Take care of him. So a bunch of eyes there. Introduce, invite, include, initiate, right? Let me just put one in here that I want to be very different. So this is the word F, forgive. As soon as we get to know people, we get hurt by people. Did you know that? Maybe it's because of a miscommunication. Maybe it's because it was rightly communicated and we just had a kind of a stumbling and be willing to say, I'm sorry, apologize, and to forgive, to release it. It's a big part of relationship is walking together. So it's I, 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 F. They will feel loved if. Okay? It's some things we do need to reach out and do to care for them. Does everybody get it? Okay. Ready? So we're going to get a little uncomfortable now. Okay? Did anybody notice that we didn't shake hands after the offertory? Was that killing you? It was killing Emily. Okay. My word, you forgot a step, Shane. Right? I went up to Shane before and I said, dude, don't have him shake hands. We're going to do something a little different. So it's important for us to do this right now. I need everybody to put your stuff down and stand up. Okay? Okay, some of your stomachs are already in knots, I know. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. It's time to just introduce yourself to somebody who you don't know. You might need to move an aisle or two. That's okay. You might need to reach across an aisle. It's going to get messy for five minutes. Name how long you've been coming to harvest. Something interesting about yourself. Go at it. All right. Feel free to sit down now. All right. Nice job. Did you hear that stir going on? A body that's reaching out to each other. Like, that's what we need to be. And it isn't real hard. It makes it easier when you have the assignment so everybody can just say, I was told to, okay? Right? But nonetheless, it's good for us to be reaching out. And so just know this. Now I'm saying, reach out all the time. Now you can always say, I was told to, okay? It's good for us to be reaching out. It's always good for us to be reaching out. And I'm telling you, so here's the first thing that happens. What did they say their name was? Right? So... If you didn't do it this time, I should have told you this beforehand, but this is, this is how you do it. Hi, my name's Tim. My name's Susan. Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm great. Susan, so what's going on with the... <laughs> see what I'm saying? You get into that two, three deep where you're saying, Susan, Susan, Susan. After a while, you got it nailed, okay? Just keep using their name. It helps you, all right? It's a good little habit to get into so that we know each other and we know each other's names, all right? That's the first step. It's just the first step. Please hear me. Love is not equal to, I introduce myself, I'm done, okay? It's a starting point, but it's a necessary starting point. It breaks the ice and it gets us going. May we be caring for each other at the deepest levels. And it starts with the general inclusion, amen? We got to be a body that warmly puts our arms around each other. That's where we got to be, all right? So first step in protecting this body, it's test the spirits. Second step, it's love one another. Third step, love God, abide with him and he with you. Love God, abide with him and he with you. We'll start in verse 13 here. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. 
John is big on saying, by this we know, and this we're confident in, and here's where we get reassured, and you're going to hear that a lot, okay? And it's important. He wants us to K-N-O-W, know, know something. What does he want us to know? That we abide in him and he in us. How? Because he gave us of his spirit. You can know that you have a relationship with God Almighty because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. The presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, how do I know I've got the presence of the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit brings a love and a joy and a peace. Have you heard these? It's not rocket science, right? It's Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is changing us from the inside out. And there's times where we're letting Him move within us and shape us. And those things become tantamount. We're experiencing it at the highest levels, tantamount to full life and living. But we oftentimes can hide those things. And all of a sudden, we're sort of living for ourselves. And the life of the Spirit isn't necessarily seen as much. How do I know I got the Spirit then when I don't have that love, joy, peace thing going on? Well, the Spirit also convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. Did you know that? And so this conscience that we have going on and this kind of this ill feeling of where we are and what we're standing in and needing to get out of it and get back to where we need to. Welcome to the Holy Spirit speaking in your life, right? And so we have the Holy Spirit who's there to love us and care for us, to call us to high ground, to convict us when convicting is needed, to encourage us when encouraging is needing. His very presence in your life literally taking you up the ladder of experiencing the fruit of the Spirit. Did you ever notice it's singular, not plural? It's not that you randomly get some of the fruits and other fruits you don't. I'm an, I'm an orange tree, you know? Like, I'm a joy tree. I just get joy. That, that patience thing, I don't get that. Right? That's not what we are. It, it's like you literally have all of the fruit of the Holy Spirit as you grow in Him. If there's an area that's not growing, let Him have more control. The fruit of the Spirit will absolutely give you a confidence in Him alive and at work in you. It says, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. We have seen and testified the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. The beauty here is we've got some eyewitnesses to Jesus Christ. And they're excited about it. And we can read of it and we can know of it. And our eyewitness testimony is not to the physical, but it's to the spiritual. We can experience him at the richest, deepest levels and be a witness to that. You can testify to God at work in your life. What an awesome privilege we have. It says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Well, how do we have the Holy Spirit abiding in us? Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. This is back to that Romans 10 passage, right? It's If we're confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and saying, you can take over in my life, I'm handing over the reins to you. God, thank you for your death and resurrection. Please replace what I owe. Bam. He's abiding with you. He's calling you his child. He's working with you for eternity. It's yours, safe and secure, to be with him. It says, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Man, that's the second time he said that. God is love. You think he's trying to get a message across? God is love. 
Like how many times do we fill in the blank, right? God is, okay. And now you go to your friend and you say, God is, and they say, a tyrant, not real. Like, I don't know what they're going to say, but they may not know him. And you have the privilege of living him out as God is love. To be able to share with them that God is love. Have a relationship with them that cares for them and leads them along a path to knowing him. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. He's basically saying what he's said several times over, right? God is light. If you're going to abide with God, you're abiding in the light, right? Here he's saying God is love. If you're going to abide with God, you're abiding in love. Your earmark will be caring for other people. Not just on the outside and on the inside. You're spitting nails and complaining about it. And you can't believe you're not getting the attention for having done it. But you really do love. You just want them cared for. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Now, this next piece is a big deal. Perfecting love. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in the world. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. We might know, we might be assured that we can stand before Jesus Christ, God Almighty, and say, I stand with confidence before you. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. To those that are in Christ Jesus. Lord I am trusting in you. And your work on the cross. I'm amazed and in awe. My confidence is in you. What can I do to glorify you today? What can I do that you might be shown off in my life? Lord may it never be all about me and my feelings. May it be all about you and your glory. I'm ready. I'm ready to be a tool. Used for you. How do you want it done? Notice he says. That we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. As he is, so also are we. I got to tell you, I read this piece and I was like, what? What does he mean exactly here? And how do I actually get this point across? And so I did some reading on it and different commentaries. And, and here's what I came down to. John MacArthur, best summary. He's saying... As he is, so also are we, means that we literally get to abide in and be clothed with his righteousness now. From a justice perspective, you're treated by God just as Christ would be. Let that settle in. From a justice perspective, no matter what we do wrong, as a believer, if we're running hard with him, Lord, please forgive me and use your shed blood to replace what I owe. Those sins are relationship things we need to work on with him, but we're in relationship with him. And he is declaring us from a righteousness perspective as righteous. Get it? As righteous. Now, here's the beauty of it. There's a day when we are glorified, whether it be through the rapture or when we die and come with him, where he declares us righteous. Like there's a day where it will be absolutely as he declares it. And he says, right now I'm treating you as, and as we're sanctifying and growing you in your righteousness and to become more like me, I'm telling you there's a day where you will be righteous. Not because of your work, because of my work. 
Praise be to God. Amen. We get to be treated as Jesus Christ now. That's our privilege. Let that settle. How many of us live our lives thinking God's treating us very differently than that? He's looking at us from a justice perspective as Christ. Wow. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. There is no fear in love. Know this, God is love. And there is no fear in love. When we fear, his love has not perfected us yet in that area. Every time we're afraid, we're kind of moving him to the back seat. We're taking over the steering wheel and we're asking if we can drive the car. And then we realize that we have no clue how to drive. That's what fear is. I've taken over. Why am I in control? I can't fix this and, and neither can they. And now we start looking at people and we're afraid. Right? True fear is truly not looking at God. As soon as you put your eyes back on him, you can simply say one of two things. This will not happen. I don't have to be afraid of it because it will not happen. Or if it does happen, the sovereign God is walking me through it. His hand over, around, and through it. I can completely trust in him. So God, not my will, but yours be done. That's our prayer. That's what takes away the fear, is a total trust in him. It will not happen. Like, I'm afraid he's going to condemn me even though I've trusted in him. It will not happen. Romans 8.1. Right? Total confidence. Well, I'm afraid that it might be a hard day tomorrow. It very well may happen. Get ready to trust in him. Lord, what are you walking me through? Your sovereign hand allowing this. That you might be glorified and that I might be transformed. I'm going with you, Lord. I'm not afraid. You are there with me in the midst of it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Right? That's being with our God. We love because he first loved us. Let him hit you upside the head with his love. That's what he's saying. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's missing it. It says he's a liar. That's how harsh the word is. You're missing it. I'm telling you, if you have the love of God pouring over you, you will begin to love those around you. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. So much easier for us to love when we can physically see something. I don't know why we're so physically tired. I will sit at the feet of God Almighty. One big question I've got. Why were we so doggone tied to the physical? Why? And I'm sure he's going to say, it wasn't that way in the beginning. It got messed up by sin. I'm sure it's going to have something to do with that. But I'm telling you, the physical distracts us all the time, doesn't it? I'm a little hungry. I'm a little cold. I'm, I'm a little wounded. I bumped into something, right? I can't see. I'm getting old. That was my day yesterday when I couldn't see what I wrote down on my paper. Don't ever write your notes with reading glasses on. Unless you're going to use the reading glasses. I get done, I'm like, what was I doing? I can't even. <laughs> We're very tied to the physical. God is amazing. May we constantly lock ourselves into him. Notice he says at the end, and this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Simple command. 
Go vertical, let him fill you up, spill to the horizontal. That's how we protect this body. What we have going on is something special right now. Like God's doing something big in here and it's life by life and person by person. May we protect that with all we've got. Amen. May we literally say, God, this is a precious place of worship and I don't want to see anything come between you and me. I'm going to test the spirits. I'm going to love you with all I've got and I'm going to love those around me, Lord. May you be glorified in this place. Amen. May you be glorified in this place. Let's just say it together. May you be glorified in this place. A little louder. May you be glorified in this place. One more time. May you be glorified in this place. Let's pray.